Mine also smells like sweaty socks, so... Nice. <laughs> I oh, wow. smell mine. Hmm. Hello and welcome to another socially distant episode of Grape Culture, the podcast where three women drink alcohol and talk about things and stuff. I'm Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. <laughs> and welcome to the episode. So just so that all of our listeners are aware, we are going to be touching on some sensitive subjects this week. So this is our trigger warning to you as an audience, just in case you are dealing with issues of sexual assault or anything like that. We will be talking about that. So this may be your point to step away from the podcast if you need to. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the film Promising Young Woman, which has just won Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars. We say just, obviously we are recording this just after the Oscars have happened, but for you people listening, it will be a month or more since. So this is old news, but we're excited to talk about the film anyway. But before we talk about that, we have some wines that we have to discuss and open and get drinking. So who wants to kick off with their wine of choice and why they picked it for this episode? Um, so I got I Heart Sauvignon Blanc in an emerald bottle because the director is called <laughs> But also there is within the film this kind of love story that you really buy into and you really believe at some point. And then obviously that's all kind of like completely trashed and exposed. Whether I love it or not is another another thing. Um I will read what it says, which is quite a lot for such a like <laughs> basic label and title. Here at iHeart, we put our passion into creating straight-talking, great-tasting wines for you to simply enjoy whatever the occasion. Delicately pale and mouth-wateringly crisp. A perfect <laughs> example of wine produced in Marlborough region of New Zealand. Bright flavours of citrus and gooseberry are complemented by hints of grapefruit and passion fruit on the nose. Vibrant acidity is balanced by luscious tropical fruit, giving a refreshing finish. It also says on the front, elegant and vibrant. And I do feel that elegant is one of those adjectives that is only used to describe women. You never hear of an okay. elegant man. Sam, what have you got for us today? Um, so I was trying to think of the drinks that they have in the movie, and there are a few. Um, they have at some point some red wine, and I was like, no, I don't really want red. Um, they also have kumquat liqueur, which I did not want to drink. Uh, and then at the other point, they have champagne. But um, I didn't want to pay for champagne because I'm cheap, so I <laughs> bought Prosecco. Uh, so that was a very long-winded reasoning for my selection and i have got the oh god i have to try and say it and it's in italian um conegliano prosecco superiore that is a thing that is from sainsbury's i paid man to bring it to my house um and the tasting notes say this prosecco is delicate and fresh with ripe apricot and zesty lemon flavors our delicious taste the difference prosecco is sourced from only um only docg quality vineyards in the prized conegliano Conegliano area in northeast Italy. It makes a fantastic aperitif served with olives and antipasti. I I had a similar train of thought with you where I was like, what did they drink in it? And what did it make me feel? And then I was like, well, they drink champagne, they drink red wine, they drink all these like fruity drinks. And then it's very like bubblegum aesthetic. So I was like, obviously rose. And then I was like, it's shitting it down with rain. I do not want to drink rose, even though there was a very nice rose label. So I went for La Belle Angèle uh, Pinot Noir 2019 off of France from Majestic Wines. The reason I chose this is for two reasons. Um, number one, obviously, the aforementioned red wine that they drink. But also the label and the name, it's it's all about this woman who's like a muse. And she's like, um, the, the La Belle Angèle was a muse of um, 19, early 20th century art. And the uh, picture is very sort of pastel coloured, a man taking a picture of a woman on a Riviera kind of look. And it, it got me thinking about a couple of things, including, you know, like a male gaze, a, a, a female centric uh, thing, this kind of like woman that captivates and woman that um, people can obsess over and woman that everyone's interested in. And it felt very evocative of the film, um, but also because it's a red, I'm expecting a little bit of tartness and such, which is kind of like you've got this very nice pastel label 
with a slightly darker feeling of the red underneath, which I feel hopefully will pair really nicely with this film that has a really bubblegum aesthetic and a really dark plot. Um, The tasting notes are as follows. La Belle Angèle was a famous character of the early 20th century, known for her beauty and joie de vivre. She was the muse of many French Impressionist painters. Discover the charming and elegant Pinot Noir with its delicate aromas of raspberry, blackcurrant and cherry, complemented by slight hints of spices and vanilla. It will perfectly match charcuterie, white meat and light cheeses. It says serve at 16 degrees, but I don't have that kind of power over the world, so I'm serving it at whatever degrees I'm at. Cheers! Cheers! Cheers. I haven't poured it yet. I've just mixed it with the dregs of the wine that was in my glass before, so... Oh, mine tastes (laughs) like... It tastes like passion fruits. Like, it actually tastes like very sweet passion fruit. Kim, how's your red? It tastes quite artificial. Hmm. Like straws. Mine also smells like sweaty socks. So nice. I haven't oh, smelled wow. mine. Hmm. Sam, what about you? How's yours? Yeah, mine is also really sweet and tastes like like sweets. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's okay, but it's very sweet. Uncomfortably saccharine, though. Like uncomfortable and sugary, but not in a good way. Not inappropriate for the film that we're about to talk about. Would anyone like to give us a brief plot summary? So Promising Young Woman is all about a particular young woman called Cassie, who uh, we first meet in a uh, scene in a nightclub. In fact, we can talk about the opening scene, which I particularly enjoyed, which was um, quite a unflattering camera angle of lots of middle-aged men in ill-fitting chinos and shirts grinding on a dance floor. And then uh, we cut to a group of men you might see after work drinks talking very kind of openly and horribly about a woman at work. And that's when we meet our lead, Cassie. And she is um, seeming to represent herself as a very drunk person who is unable to keep herself up who um, is all alone. And then from that, we have a scene where she's seemingly looked after by a good guy, taken back to his, almost against her, well, against her will, without her consent. And then he, I mean, tries it on with her is obviously not the term I want to use, forces himself upon her. There's a very uncomfortable scene, as much as there's many uncomfortable scenes within the film, of him kissing her and her not even... Uh, contributing to that kiss Um, and then whilst she is on his bed and he is going down on her uh, she sobers up completely and he is shocked by this fact and then following on from that there are, are quite a few instances of that and it is a comment very much on the I suppose nice guy theory the the idea that people represent something men represent something but often are still considerably quite a threat to women and from that Cassie uh, we find out that her friend was assaulted in medical school and we assume took her own life Um, I don't think it's ever explicitly said Um, and she is on a mission to expose men but also expose men to themselves uh, against this kind of, but I'm a nice guy. And it's like, yes, but uh, you're doing this to women. And then expose that behavior to also other women as well. We then have a kind of love story within it. It's it's a representation of Cassie's life as a woman in in, in a modern world and really kind of uncomfortably uncovering men's behavior towards women. Everything down to the title, Promising Young Woman, is a comment on how society view women and the fact that they had so much going for them and yet they have changed their life to have this mission. And uh, it's also about friendship. It's a comment on friendship. It's, it's, it's an uncomfortable watch but it's also so important. It's essentially, I mean, that was a really wide nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. To to quickly just like key points it, you've got women in some kind of arrested development due to a traumatic past event 
seeking revenge on so-called nice guys then tries to I don't know like move on with her life and seek closure which is where you have the sort of semi-traditional love story narrative this triggers a uh, regression back to her like past trauma with her friend who passed away which sparks a pretty dark I mean, it already starts pretty dark, but pretty dark revenge narrative in an almost like methodically planned way, which then moves fairly quickly into a very, very dark ending. Yeah, which is her coming to the conclusion of her revenge narrative in a way that does not end well necessarily for her, ultimately get justice for her friend and for herself would be the sort of really, really abbreviated just to like hit on the revenge thing. Yeah, I, I, I think I purposely tried to avoid the word revenge because I don't know if actually ultimately she gets revenge on the... She does get revenge on the, the main perpetrator, Al, I think his name is, mm. um, but it's not necessarily what he should have gone down for. It's less revenge and more avenging because it's on the behalf of yes, someone else. Yes, that's a good point. The difference between revenge and vengeance is a thing. Yeah, and this this film was marketed as a revenge thriller. Like that's <sighs> something that was used in the descriptions of this film, as you know, um, or a psychological thriller, or you know, that there's various words around revenge that they have been thrown around that make it sound like it's going to be basically Kill Bill, and it is not Kill Bill. It is something very different. So, with that in mind, and with this kind of idea of the way it was pitched when. Again, we've talked about this several times on various films and books of the way something is marketed, not necessarily being what you end up with. Was this film what you expected or did it surprise you or how? And if it did surprise you, how did it surprise you? What did you know about it and how did it live up to that? So I saw the trailer quite a while ago and was really intrigued. And it was kind of it was not that the the. the uh, statement on uh, men's behavior towards women and um, she's asking for it kind of uh, narrative that we're, we're quite it, it's quite out, like open at the moment it's very prominent in the media and in discussion uh, I remember being really intrigued about it and you're right Sam I think there's especially in the trailer there's this almost thriller Kill Bill-esque vibe it's kind of like everything down to the music to the quick fire kind of um shots coming quicker and quicker and um lots of close-ups and things left quite ambiguous so like similarly after one of the first scenes when she's walking home doing the kind of like quote-unquote walk of shame um and she's eating that kind of uh pastry that's like dripping jam all over her um everything is kind of made to feel like it is going to be her killing all these men you know she's scoring in her diary there's mixtures of red pen and blue pen it suggests that kind of world that you speak about, Kill Bill. And then it's not. And I just think it's so clever. I think actually it wasn't what I was expecting. And I think there's a statement in that. But yet the comedy was there far more than I anticipated as well. In a kind of weird, dark, I recognise that. And therefore I find it humorous at how ridiculous society is. Kim, what did you think? Yeah, um... I agree that I really enjoyed it. I purposely tried to avoid reading too much around it, even though I was really, really intrigued by it, because a lot of the sort of websites and stuff that I follow would have reviews of this kind of thing and spoilers as if you'd already seen it. And I, I purposely tried to avoid those things because I didn't want to know. I knew that there was going to be something about it that I wasn't going to expect. And I wanted to be surprised because I kind of knew that eventually either we would talk about this or we would decide not to talk about this, and I wanted to enjoy it organically. But that being said, I did see you know various interviews on Graham Norton and that sort of stuff, so I knew a little bit about it, and I was definitely expecting it to be dark and expecting it to be challenging would be the word I was looking for. But I, I kind of been led down the garden path a little bit because of the little bits that I have picked up. 
I almost started to second guess myself where I started to think like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be the dark story that I thought it was. Maybe it is going to be like a sweet, you know, it's going to end all nicely and there's going to be a love story or, and in that respect, it wasn't necessarily what I, what I expected. It was, was what I thought originally, but more, more punchy, more dark, more interesting, more uncomfortable and then in the interim, the way that I've kind of seen it talked about in chat shows, it's almost less less palatable than I guess they tried to make it seem. But at the same time, I never 100% bought that it was going to be this positive ending. It was exactly what I thought it should be. Yes. Um, yeah, I didn't know too much about this. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really look into it at all. It never led you where you expected to go. And I think it was so clever. Like you can see why Emerald Fennel won best original screenplay for it because the writing is done brilliantly. It is difficult to watch, but it is also, Alex, like you said, there there is this humour there that you don't expect because it's not it's not a situation in which you would expect there to be humour, but like it's, it's not making fun of anyone. Maybe making fun of some men's perceptions of themselves, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's done in a really clever way. Yeah, not not what I expected, but all the better for that. I think. I agree. I do think the opening shot though is making fun of every yeah. male it was like cinematographer a... ever. <laughs> it reminded me of um, like like spring break you know and they like girls gone wild <laughs> yeah or american it. pie or just like any me. of that like hot girl party summer shows yeah and at first i was re- i was like oh my god i'm really uncomfortable why this why is this awful and i was like because it's awful this is awful no one wants to see this <laughs> it's, it's also that kind of like performative nature of like how people at clubs like I don't know, like they lose all their work personas, but yet they're still wearing their shirts and trousers that they Mm -hmm. wore to the office, but they're breaking away from that, I'm a professional. They're just animals. It was like a nature documentary, you know, when they slow the animal attack down at the watering hole. It was like that. And also what's quite interesting, talking about this um, opening scene, maybe that's also a comment about, look, guys can go out get absolutely plastered make a prat of themselves on the dance floor and they will never have that fear that because they were drunk they were asking for it that because they were drunk all their like all their kind of barriers were down and they couldn't get them home like themselves home safely they nine times out of ten will never experience that fear but women do and i wonder if also the opening scene was a comment on that yeah that's that's a really important thing to say though that like Obviously, we acknowledge that sexual assault can happen to anyone at any time. But the action, the the default for men fear surrounding really it, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, the fear surrounding it, the victim blaming it, surrounding it, the anticipation of it is much more in the realm of women than it is men. And so, this is something that we recognise happens to anyone at every time. But we're specifically talking about the the gendered fearful for women that is represented in this film. So there are lots of things about this film that we found surprising and insightful. And um, I think we all are agreed that we enjoyed is perhaps the right, the wrong word. Although I would say I enjoyed it because it was so unexpected. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was, it's a very well-made film. Is there anything that we haven't talked about already that you guys thought was particularly good and noteworthy i think alex and i both want to recognize the casting i don't know alex's exact thoughts on this but i thought the casting was incredible particularly because this film features a series of terrible awful no good men who are played by actors who have previously played that's exactly terrible lovely wonderful adorable heartthrob nerdy boys that i have adored uh, namely Adam Brody and Chris Lowell and um, the the chap who plays Schmidt in New Girl whose name has just flown out of my head but and Bo Burnham Adam Brody famously played Seth Cohen on the OC uh, Chris Lowell played um, I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong I've never never 100% been sure of that but he's played a series of characters for me I loved him in um, Life As We Know It and in Private Practice, but he's also been in The Help. He's been in a lot of different things. He's a babe. Um, He's in Glow with Alison Brie, who's also in this film. 
And uh, you've got Bo Burnham, who is the internet's boyfriend, basically, like comedy genius. And uh, I mentioned someone else then that's it's gone out of my head. Um, and I thought that what I really liked was that all these characters, all these actors, I feel like it was a conscious choice to choose recognizable faces that you already have an attachment to normally that really annoys me in shows normally when they choose someone like emma watson to play bell and in, in the live action beauty and the beast i'm like oh you're just choosing them because they're popular but because it was so subversive in this film because they are choosing someone that you already love and you already have attachment to if you're of a certain age you probably and of a certain disposition you may like me have a unhealthy love for seth cohen like you it's subverting that idea of what you think is a appealing and attractive man because it's basically highlighting the behaviors that claim to be good or positive or healthy can very often flip on a coin flip to be horrible basically in short and I was trying to think of a nicer way to say that but there's not one and I was thinking about things like you know there's there's a real trend on on various things to say you know how abusive Edward is in Twilight and all that sort of stuff and it's that same kind of attitude which is to take the thing that you know and to really expose it and I thought that it was a really clever and subversive way of doing it to choose well-known and like actors who've made likable characters and subvert their characters to be nice guys who turns out to be cunts just before we go to Alex for her thoughts on the casting because I know you have them I just wanted to jump in there because what you said is linked to something that I wrote down about 15 minutes ago which which is the casting of comedic actors when there has been such um there have been so many cases in recent years of comedians and comedic actors being accused of um sexual assault and Sexual impropriety, for want of a best term. So you had Louis C.K., you had Aziz Ansari, you had mm-hmm. like, many, many others. Um, some who have been named, some who haven't. And I think this this is a, this is described as a as a black comedy, and that it's about a serious project, a serious um, subject, but that has humorous moments in it. And obviously, comedies will include comedic actors. But I did think that was really interesting when you saw the likes of Bo Burnham, um, Christopher Mintz-Platz, who played McLovin in um, Superbad. That was um, the other guy, and I didn't know his name or where I'd seen him in, but I was like, yeah. oh. Where? He was a full-grown yeah. man now, which creeps me out. Bit weird, haunchy <laughs> with a beard. Yeah, very strange. Yeah. Very strange. But, um, when, yeah, that was just something that really struck me as this is a community that this – and it's not the only community by any chance, but it, it this kind of um, situation is not uncommon. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, the fact that they're comedic actors. And I have to say, like, as an extension of the male characters in this, you also have Alison Brie, Connie Britton, and... Oh, fuck, what's her name? Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge, who, again, on a different level, are, are women who have played characters who... We have identified, idolised, found amusing, found appealing. You look like the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in roles that are arguably problematic. Like, I think, you know, Alison Brie is no not afraid of playing a role that is complicated. She's She's been in Glow, she's been in Community, she's been Mad in Men. Mad Men. Uh, she's also come under fire in her personal life for her marriage to her husband, who is... Uh, Dave Franco, brother of Jay's Franco, who was also under, uh, you know, who was accused of a myriad of things during the Me Too movement and beyond. And I think her choice to be in this film was very interesting. Jennifer Coolidge, as we've just alluded to there, was in Legally Blonde, was in a lot of different things, is very much often portrayed as kind of a sexualized bimbo in a not particularly sympathetic light, even though she's clearly a very shrewd woman and you know i the, the list goes on connie britton is is the plays the mother in friday night's light friday night lights and is a beloved actress who is is usually presented as being this like pinnacle of female championship and stuff and all of that casting for me seems very subversive and very intentional and i commend both the casting director and 
indeed the actors involved for recognizing the effect that they would have in these roles i was just gonna echo that exactly i think it was a very conscious and interesting choice to cast people that had been in nice guy roles heartthrob roles um and also the women portrayed as well had been in roles where they might have been objectified previously so I do think that was a very clever and conscious choice. And so, yeah, I echo everything that you guys just said, definitely. I think also the reason that I loved this film is it articulated and portrayed in a very clever and be- beautiful sometimes and also um, thought-provoking way, stuff that we've probably all felt or thought about and it was articulated in front of us so wonderfully so or at least kind of cohesively I think that's why I loved it so much and what it did really well was this kind of it demystified this gaslighting thing that I think can happen to a lot of people in situations like this where it's you know their experience is diminished they are disbelieved they are you know an external voice tells them that it's not valid and this was really, really good at going, that's a load of bullshit. It was really good at contextualising that, I think. Yeah, so I, I think those are all really good points about the, the many things that this film did well. Do you think there are places, though, that it, it fell down or that it could have been improved? Because I had some thoughts and I've forgotten what they are, so I'm going to go to one of you guys first um, while I try and remember what the, what, what the thing that I thought it did it could, that could have been done better. Parts that I did not like about this film included, I did not like the parts that you're not supposed to like, the parts that made you very uncomfortable. Um, There are very, very bad scenes, like in the sense that nobody wants to watch that at all. And if you do, I'm concerned about you. But that's the point. So it's not really a negative on the film because they are meant to be uncomfortable. Uh, I'm specifically referring to, obviously, the scene where Cassie dies. Spoilers. It went Um, on for so long. I also have a lot of feelings about the ending, but I feel like we're going to get into that, possibly, is that I I went back and forth as to whether, and especially in the wake of um, a lot of stuff that's been in the news lately and and the, uh, the question of justice... As to whether that was justice, to whether that was a satisfying ending or not, because personally, I didn't feel like it was. Even though I recognised where they were coming from, where the what the point was, all the messages that the ending is supposed to convey, I saw all of those, and I still felt like every shitty male in this pretty much got away with it, except for like one and that made me really uncomfortable and unhappy. I think what is justice is a really interesting thing. And obviously in this, it was Cassie choosing to essentially go to her death and be with her friend. Because obviously she signs off her message at the end, Nina and Cassie. And I also think that was predetermined by her as a character quite early on. The fact that she finds out from Ryan that Al is still around obviously jolts something in her that, okay, great, I can go and do this kind of mission that I've been kind of pre-planning for a long time almost. It just so happens that it lines up with his stag do and all that kind of stuff. I think the fact that, and talking about statistics, so I found that only 1.7% of reported rape cases in England and Wales. So obviously this film is set in America, but just to bring it closer to home, 1.7% of reported rape cases in England and Wales end in a conviction for the perpetrator, which really shocked me to my core. And because I I don't know about you guys, but I suppose as a, a British citizen that has never had to... Um, engage the police in any part of my life I just always assume that if something bad were to happen to me 
something would get done. Because fortunately, I have never had to take something as far as that. And so my naivety is that that like something would happen and to see that statistic really brings it home and I think that's a comment like there's a comment on the ending about it feeling unsatisfying that she essentially had to die for one person to get arrested and so many people's like it's almost like from Nina and Cassie two people and only one person gets arrested. So if like like for every two women that were fucked over, only one man will maybe get arrested if the situation and the evidence that is posted through someone's door is enough to convict them. Mm-hmm. Um, the evidence that existed for seven years wasn't enough. Wasn't yeah. enough. And so yes, I I see that the ending might be not um, doesn't feel like it should because we're so angry in the lead up to it but I actually as an ending thought it was right considering like the emotion I felt at the end of it. Sam what about you any any glaring negatives that you'd like to talk about? Yeah I mean obviously there's a difference I think between something that we didn't enjoy and something that wasn't wasn't fundamentally right with the film um there were as we said a lot of bits that i did not enjoy uh and i don't think the point was to enjoy them the thing that (laughs) one thing that i was like this doesn't make sense to me and it was kind of alluded to but not as much as i would expect is that so um cassie and brian like the, the sort of two of the main characters went to med school and then they went to med school, which I would assume it seemed like they were in a small town. It didn't feel like they were in a city. It didn't feel like they were in like LA or New York or something. It was like a, a standard American town. I would assume that the medical college wasn't there, but it could have been. It wasn't ever divulged, I don't think. This is such a minor thing, but like for her to have for that college to have been nearby enough for all of this to happen and people to still be in the area. And then for her to consistently go out to it to trap men into and it's not trapping the you know what i mean like i don't i don't want to use the word trap but like to convince men in clubs that she was this drunk on her own with no one anonymous there. person yeah i found that a bit like and when you saw the number of check marks she'd been doing in her like the tally that she had in her book I was yeah like, yes when she went home with one guy when um ryan bumped into her he was like, oh, you're that crazy bitch that went home with Jerry. And that was, but that was like... The only... The only time I found that a bit odd. Yeah, I agree. Like, that thought did cross my mind, but I kind of... I mostly treated that as movie land. And also because this was never revealed exactly where this was, or if it was, I missed it. I kind of had a moment where I was like, America's really big. I guess I kind of was like, well, I can understand if she's in a state that has a lot of different towns in a in a window. It's kind of like us being in Reading and going to Basingstoke and Henley and Oxford and all, all the glamour spots. Yeah, yeah. Granted, but it's also not stated how long she's been doing this for, um, mm-hmm. and these men as we saw in the first group, were in a group. There were other people that would have seen it. And yes, people might have been drunk and not necessarily remember faces or whatever that easily. And it's clubs and it's dark. And, and she changes her appearance. And she changes like, her not appearance. Not so much. I don't know. I just feel like... It's know. slightly unbelievable. It was, it was, it was a little... Long. Yeah, it was a little bit unbelievable from that point of view. But it was, yeah. it was enough that I, it was, you know, willing suspension was- of disbelief, I could get over it. I think it's also like how many men would actually tell their fellow men that this happened. That was also, yeah, that was a very good point that I was um, going to mention, which is, oh, you're that psycho that Jerry went home with. And it's like, what, what would he, what would he have said mm. to his friends about that encounter? Yeah. So yeah, maybe, because, maybe there's this, these are the good maybe that's guys. why he's... she got away with no one clocking her yeah. because they didn't want to the... talk about it. Because these are the but good guys. They even the guy that's guys, like yeah. in the yeah no, but and even the guy that's at the office in the beginning scene, he's like, mate, like stop chatting shit. I'm gonna go over and see if she's okay and take her home. Like he even portrays to his work friends 
that, that he's the he good is guy. The good guy. So he wouldn't then go and tell them, oh, yeah. she was a psycho. She was actually sober. Like, you know. Or if he does, like, he's not going to be like, I was trying to go down on her. Like, he's not going to no, reveal the extent of his transgression. It, because it's not good. It's not good. Look. So I think it's time that we take a break, refresh our glasses and have a wee. Because obviously we have to, because we've been drinking for an hour. Not that you're going to hear all of it. Because guess what? This is edited. We'll be back after the break to talk some more about Promising Young Woman. Okay. So we are back from our break and I think it's time to check in and see how everyone is enjoying their wine. Um, I'm going to go first with my Prosecco. It has, I don't know if it's got less sweet or if my teeth are now so furry that I just don't realise. Um <laughs> But it's it's okay. It's Prosecco. It's it's very middle of the road. I would not think it pairs with the film as such. But, you know, getting me drunk on a Wednesday night. So what else do you need? Alex, how's yours? <laughs> <laughs> getting me drunk on a Wednesday night. Again, I don't know if it's getting less sweet or, like you said, my teeth are becoming more furry slash, like, are giving the barrier of, like, wine <laughs> teeth. It is, oh, it's so heartburny inducing. Oh it makes me feel a little bit like, yeah, my throat's on fire. And so I feel that the mixture of that with the numbing sense of alcohol and happiness <laughs> is like a perfect <laughs> mixture for this film. <laughs> Kim, how is your redness? You, your face is not. No, it's uh, not no, pleased there. My face is my face is unrelated to the wine. La Belle Angel is fine. It's less artificial tasting now that I've drunk the majority of the bottle. That might be because I've lost the ability to taste things. Who can say? <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say that, like, if anything, it's a, just a little bit middle of the road. Like. It's not a bad wine. It's actually a really nice wine. And it'd be the kind of wine that I'd be perfectly happy to drink on a regular basis for a film that I think is so complex and so standout, even if it's not necessarily a, a film that we feel comfortable watching. This wine doesn't really like live up to it. It should. I, I, I would have liked to pair a particularly standout wine with it. And this wine is not a standout wine. It's a very nice wine. It's a drinkable wine, and I think it would be a crowd pleaser. But the thing is that the promising woman, a promising woman, is not a crowd pleaser, and that's sort of the point of it. So um, yes, but no. So speaking of promising young woman, this is something that Alex, you brought up, and Kim, you also brought up earlier about this the, the justice element. Do you think that the way Cassie went about making Al and by extension his friends accountable for what happened is the way that it should have been done considering the legal system and the system that was in place to help her friend let her down. What do you think? So so I do think that her thinking would have been what is the highest punishment in the like law system that we live in? It's for murder. It's for, um, you know, cold-blooded murder in which like that happened. Obviously, I'm not a lawyer. So I understand why the character would choose to take this path of I'm going to sacrifice myself in order for this character to get his comeuppance because so much of her life was taken over by this desire to expose men, to make people, not just men and women, realise what like awful things happen and we, uh, what was the wording we used earlier? that we're desensitized from it. So I think she had every intention of being justified for for what she was doing, for why she was 
taking this vengeance for why she sacrificed her life essentially for the vengeance for like whether that's deserved for all the men that she went to the nightclubs with they brought it on themselves that's that's what was portrayed in um the film they were the ones that she didn't even kiss them back she didn't take the drugs she didn't drink the drink it was all their play it was all if it was a chess game it was all them putting forward so yes <laughs> is the okay. is the short answer sure <laughs> um kim how about you what do you think i don't know how i feel because i don't disagree that that her reasoning is sound that her cause is true i am on her side do i think that she's doing the right thing not necessarily like i think that her actions are understandable and are a reaction against not receiving justice through the law systems which i think can be translatable to a lot of different systems you can only be on the side of well-mannered and well-meaning justice if well-mannered and well-meaning justice is on your side Mm. and in this case and in so many other cases it's not and for that i'm like then you need anarchy and then you need vigilante justice but at the same time i'm very type a and i like rules and (laughs) uh like I restructure and I don't like violence so I'm like oh no this is not a straightforward question in fact yeah no it's not not. I just suddenly got angry about it (laughs) I recognize that she's working in a system that does not want to work with her and that she is working to work with her exactly so it's not a straightforward question I don't think it has a straightforward answer I don't think that violence is the answer. And I certainly don't think that she needed to die to prove her fucking point. But I do think that she was justified in going beyond the law to prove that the law needs to change. This is not a playbook for how to deal with this. But let's... One of the ways, one of the words you said just now was vigilante, and it's a word I've written down uh, um, as well in my in my notes on this um, and this idea of taking the law into your own hands. Um, I think this whole the way she goes about the first part of basically confronting men with their own behaviour in the way she acts. I think I like I think that was a really good way of going about it and i don't i don't endorse people doing any of this at any point we should none of us endorse any of the things that happened in this film we should just say now um but it was a great way of communicating certain difficult things and forcing people to confront certain behaviors that didn't end in violence and i thought that was a really clever way of doing it this film did really well without going full kill bill but before we get on to the ending, which is the last thing that I think we would like to talk about today, because it makes mm-hmm. sense, because that end. There Magic. is one question on the top of the, the justice thing that I would like to talk about, which is the um, not just the, the aspect of her luring, and I hate using the word luring because it makes it sound like all the onus is on her when it's not, Um convincing these men that she is very drunk and then going, you know, allowing herself to be taken home with them so that they will get themselves into a compos- into a position that is, th- that she can confront them about their behaviour. That is one aspect of it. The One of the areas that I found slightly, even, even greater than the rest of it, was um, with the, uh, with Alison Bree's character, where she basically drugs her, and puts her in a situation to make her doubt what happened. Like, you know, she she, she gives her a lot of um, alcohol. And I th- I, I'm fairly sure she says she slipped something in her drink. I, I wasn't 100% was sure that. that. Just, I didn't was that think distra- she did. There was a I, point where she said something about slipping something in someone's drink. 
I thought that was with the. Oh, it was the bachelor the party. No, the, you're the right. Bachelor yeah. party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gents. Yeah. And then gents. the gents. Right. Yeah. Um, so there was that point, and then she went put her through the, the sort of psychological torment of did this did anything happen when it didn't, and then also with the dean's daughter, where her dean her daughter was perfectly safe, but she made the dean believe Think that potentially that she, was she wasn't. Those were the times when I was like, ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh. Yeah. I don't know. And I think I, that's the point. I think that you're supposed to question whether yeah. you're on her side at that point. She's she's a morally ambiguous character, even though she is technically on the side of right, I think. Yeah, and yeah. also because I think that you're meant to believe... I think the Alice and Brie thing, you, I don't think you know 100% what's going on whether you're just kind of like I think the the impression I got at least was that she paid a person to be near said person and if something happened oh well but if not then I got the impression that that person was under strict instructions for nothing to happen just to basically I only got that I only got that impression afterwards the impression Mm. I got at the time of the transaction was that they were at discretion whereas with the young girl uh the dean's daughter i got the impression i i never felt like that girl was in danger maybe for the briefest 10 seconds i was like is this going in a direction i was not anticipating is this is this character like not who i think she is but then i was like no everything that we've learned about this character would not allow this to happen to someone else, which actually put in perspective how I felt about the Alison Brie situation as well. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. It's like both those incidents were my moments where I was like, I don't agree with you in your methods. So before we go tonight, let's talk a little bit about the ending because the ending is um, is unexpected, I think. What did you think about the way the movie ended? The ending is rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but rough for who? And which ending? Because so, I right. thought it was ending 10 minutes earlier than it did. Right. So she dies because she is murdered during her final revenge scheme by the man who raped her best friend in medical school said man and his best friend burn her body and then get married as if nothing happened her former boyfriend who everyone thought was a nice guy who turns out to be a cunt is at said wedding receives a series of scheduled texts which i didn't know was a thing you could do yeah i didn't know that i questioned that as well with my partner (laughs) (laughs) is that Um, a real thing is that anything? Um, receives a series of scheduled texts from her basically revealing from beyond the grave. Shit's about to go down. She had sent a if I don't materialize message to a character that we haven't mentioned in this, possibly the only redeemed well, male character in the entire fucking film, which is the uh, lawyer that defended the. Uh, rapist during the medical school and then had a quote-unquote psychotic break but actually was just a moral awakening not a psychotic break and that's an interesting framing Mm. she sent him a if I don't come back here's all the evidence packet arrests happen conveniently at the wedding whoop-de-doo justice for everyone she signs them from herself and from her friend who died as a result of the sexual assault seven years previous. I completely recognise the goal of this ending. The goal of this ending was very much about, like, as we've discussed throughout this episode, the fickleness of justice, men defending men, the system is shit. But personally, I felt that it made... A lot of the film hollow. Bo Burnham 
doing a swish little model pose, looking at his phone, all like, oh, oh, this is so hard. Oh, I know exactly what's happening and I can't do anything and my friend's being arrested, but nothing's going to come back on me ever. Oh, oh no, this is so tragic. Was not enough for me. I was like, I was mad that she died. I was mad how she died. The ending was hollow. And I know that that's probably the point is that like justice is never served. Uh, Quoting Alex's statistic earlier is a really good representation of that, but it still made me not like this film enough. Um, I don't think the ending was enough to make me dislike the film. Um, I think that it was clear that this was a character who could not exist in the world that she was existing in, not by her own design, but by virtue of the way that what had happened had made her react. Like, I I don't think this, this is a person who could have had a happy ending because I think it would have been untrue to the themes of the f- film. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe she, maybe she could have, maybe it was just the wrong person at the wrong time or, or whatever. But I don't think that this film was set up to give this person that, that ending. Yes. I think the, 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 I think Cassie's death was fucking horrible. Um, but I also think it was premeditated on her part or at least not maybe not to the extent not what exactly what happened but i think that she she knew she was gonna she knew she, she knew she, she knew that there was a very good chance that she would die and i think that the moment when the handcuffs broke because that was the deciding factor is that this guy got you know the owl got free from the handcuffs um i questioned in that whether she had set that up or whether that was a oh fuck i agree that the ending if you wanted justice this is not the ending that fit with what the people that were involved should have had i think the fact that there was the tape of what had happened to nina that that, um alison Bree's character whose name i can't remember had had shared with cassie and they had this evidence and i think the fact that that on its own wasn't enough to reopen a case or corroborate a story or you know and that the character had to go to this length's I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know is essentially the answer to this. <laughs> I have no answer. But, that, but that's I'm just what's fumbling. so brilliant. That's what's so brilliant because I think yeah. like everything we will talk about in regards to this film is questioning our own past, our own current opinion, our own current thinking around society. So I think it's amazing that it's kind of, made us kind of shift thinking even in the moment I like one thing I will touch on and I suppose something you mentioned earlier Kim about the aesthetics regardless of like the parents house and this coloring and florals and all that kind of stuff I really loved that her nail varnish was like pink blue yellow like it was like so childhood like there was there was a so contrast like... between her when she was being I'm going to use this word very loosely the predator when she was out to catch yeah. these guys when she was dressed very dark very dramatic and then when she was her in other settings when yeah. she was her she had this pastel nail varnish she had these uh, floral very, dresses it was very childlike it was very innocent it was very um and i use the word innocent in terms of like maybe how it was meant to be portrayed and i found that quite beautiful i found it like amazing that this actor was able to portray i am just working in a coffee shop because that's what makes me happy and yet this awful thing is something that I need to bring bring to the surface for everyone to understand. In terms of the ending, I actually weirdly felt justice for her being murdered. And I, I think that's from everything we kind of spoke about. I don't know, I just kind of felt like, yes, everything you've done is now being witnessed in the forefront. 
So there's a lot to unpack this film. There's um, a lot of uh, ambiguity and moral grey areas, although I think we are all in agreement that the grey areas are to do with the main character's behaviour in response to the situation that she's in, rather than the behaviour of the men around her, which we can all pretty much fucking condemn. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... Before we wrap up this week, we should be rating our wine and we should be rating the film, which again is Promising Young Woman by Emerald Fennel. So who wants to kick off with a rating of both the wine and the film? Let's do them both in one go. Let's go to Alex. I'm going to give the film four out of five. Mm, 4.5 out of five, actually. I, like I said earlier, think it has articulated so much about what I have felt in the past, about current um, forefront issues. I think it's brilliant and is also my kind of taste in terms of like film festival humour, I suppose, and everything in between. I think it's brilliant. I highly rate everyone that has been involved. So 4.5 for the film. The wine did not make it up to scratch, I'm afraid. I'm going to give the wine three grapes out of five. It's fine. It was super fruity. I would never usually buy it, but at the same time... No, actually, it was eight pounds. I'm going to give it 2.5. 2.5, and it was the Sauvignon Blanc, the I Love, or was it the Pinot Grigio? Uh, Sauvignon Blanc. So, Kim, how about your bell and whatever it was called? La Belle Angele at Pinot Noir. Um, Yeah, it was fine. It was really nice. And I think that I probably could have done it better justice if I had not drunk more beforehand, to be fair to it. But at the same time, it was sweet. It was a bit basic. It was a bit surface level. I'm going to give it a solid three. I would quite happily have it again it was nine pounds which is not an unreasonable price in terms of matching to the topic sorry i don't i don't feel like it did i had high hopes i was really hoping that by choosing red wine i would be choosing something would be tangy choosing something a bit darker but because it was such a like basic really surface level flavor it it kind of did what a rosé would do which is what i was trying to avoid which is a very sweet saccharine thing, whereas I think that Promising Woman is a sweet saccharine looking film with a with a bit of bite. This didn't have a lot of bite. It was a easy drinking wine, three grapes. In terms of Promising Young Woman, I think that I'm rating it four grapes, which is to say that it was a fantastic film and visually writing wise I really don't have a lot to fault with it I found it very uncomfortable to watch which was probably the point and I had a problem with the ending which was probably the point but at the same time like I can't give it five stars because I didn't I came away from it wishing for something else and so for me it's a four grapes which is for my part I'm going to give my wine a 2.5 it was fine again to remind listeners who have been with us for an hour it was the conegliano prosecco it was fine 2.5 middle of the road prosecco the film i'm torn between a 4.5 and a 5 because i think this was an exceptional film i think that the dissatisfaction with it comes not from the film itself but from the subject which is to be expected a very good point i'm going to i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna give it a five because i don't watch this kind of film very much i don't watch difficult things um but the way it was handled the fact it was so surprising the fact they managed to keep humor in it and the fact like emerald fennel's screenplay was amazing all the performances Carrie Mulligan um mm. even Bo Burnham that I was like you just you just sing songs about maths I don't know why you're <laughs> here um being incredibly incredibly tall even he was good um yeah I do yeah I I I, I I'm no, gonna fair. Give it a five five fair, 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 fair. 
So thanks for listening to Grape Culture this week. Don't forget, we are running on a revised schedule at the moment, so we'll be back in a month's time with a new episode for you. But if you just can't wait to get that Grape Culture fix, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. Or you can go to the Grape Culture website, which is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. So thank you for listening. And don't forget, we'll see you in a month's time with a brand new episode. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye.